Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study in the book of Jeremiah. And today we'll be study number 14 of Jeremiah chapter 50. We're going to be reading verses 21 through 24. Go up against the land of Merathium, even against it, and against the inhabitants of Pecod. Waste and utterly destroy after them, saith Jehovah, and do according to all that I have commanded thee. A sound of battle is in the land, and of great destruction. How is the hammer of the whole earth cut asunder? And broken, how has Babylon become a desolation among the nations? I have laid a snare for thee, and thou art also taken, O Babylon, and thou wast not aware, thou art found, and also caught, because thou hast striven against Jehovah. And I'll stop reading there. We've been going through Jeremiah 50, verse by verse, and we've seen that uh, the overwhelming emphasis of this chapter and also the next chapter, Jeremiah 51, is the judgment upon Babylon. And Babylon is a figure of the kingdom of Satan, uh, his entire kingdom, the kingdom of this world, which includes the churches. Once God uh, gave up the churches to him during uh, the Great Tribulation period when judgment began at the house of God. And so um, in our study so far, we've seen in verse after verse, God emphasizing the judgment on this world and that that judgment has to do with the end of his salvation program. Well, let's let's continue our study in verse 21. Go up against the land of Merathium, even against the and against the inhabitants of Peacock. Two places are mentioned here that are really representative of Babylon itself. Now, the first place, Merathium, is only found here in the Bible. You won't find this word anywhere else. And um, that makes it difficult when trying to understand what is being said. But this Hebrew word merithium is a word that is related to bitter, uh, as mara in the Hebrew is a word for bitter. And this is marathium. And the word bitter, we, we find, I think, a good biblical definition in Exodus 15 and verse 23. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And this is the Israelites when they came out of Egypt and, and they desperately needed water. They came to a place called Marah and there was water there, but they could not drink it because it was bitter. And, and that means that the water there could not sustain life they they could not live but, but of course god helped them 
by having them um, uh, cast a tree into the waters in order to make the waters sweet, and then they could drink of the water. And that's a picture of the gospel. The true gospel is sweet water. And false gospels are bitter water, normally. And and they're bitter because they have no salvation. Uh, they refer to the word of God, the Bible. They um, will say that's their authority. And I'm speaking of during the time when God was saving the day of salvation. These false gospels had no power to save because they weren't true. They weren't faithful to the Bible. And it's only the truth that sets one free. And, and, and so that was the case throughout history. But in the day of judgment, God has turned all the waters of Babylon, of this world, to bitter waters. The, the, uh, gospel waters that covered the earth during the latter rain period, as the latter rain pictures water falling from heaven, all of those waters have been made bitter by God's judgment of shutting the door of heaven. And and now true believers find themselves sharing truth from the Bible. Normally, truth would set people free. But it's no longer the case. Now, when we share truth, it's sharing um, uh, not the the water that can provide salvation, but it's like a bitter water. And that's the reason we saw before when we studied Revelation 10 that the Apostle John used as a type of the believers when he ate of the little book. And it was in his mouth sweet as honey because that's the nature of the Word of God. It's sweet to the child of God's taste. But in his belly, it was bitter. And, and remember Jesus said, out of your bellies will flow rivers of water pointing to the Holy Spirit flowing forth from within the child of God. And, and it's normally those sweet waters in the time of salvation. But in the time of judgment, they're bitter water. The water of Babylon has been made bitter. So it's fitting. It's very appropriate that God is referring to Babylon as the land of Merithium. And Babylon's a picture of the world. It's, it's the land of bitter, bitter things. Okay. And then we read of Pecod. God is commanding to go up against the land of Merithium, even against it and against the inhabitants of Pecod. Pecod is found twice in the Old Testament, once here and once in Ezekiel 23. In Ezekiel chapter 23, verse 23, it says, The Babylonians and all the Chaldeans, Pekod and Shoah and Koah, and all the Assyrians with them, and I'll, I'll stop reading there. The, the purpose of going to this verse is to show how Pekod is identified with Babylon and the Chaldeans. And you, you, you can't separate the Chaldeans from Babylon. They're um, basically synonyms. And, and so we know 
that when God is saying, go up against the land of Merathium, even against it, and against the inhabitants of Pekod, Pekod identifies with Babylon. So it's consistent with everything else we've been reading. The Lord is still talking about Babylon and his wrath against it. Okay, let's continue in the middle of verse 21. Waste and utterly destroy after them, saith Jehovah, and do according to all that I have commanded thee. Now we need to point out that God is commanding his people to waste and destroy Babylon, or Pekot and Merathium, which are representative of Babylon, and he is telling us to do this. Remember early on in Jeremiah 50, what God said in verse 1 and 2. The word that Jehovah spake against Babylon and against the land of the Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet, declare ye among the nations and publish and set up a standard, publish and conceal not. Say Babylon is taken, Bel is confounded, Merodach is broken in pieces, her idols are confounded, Her images are broken in pieces. And the Lord is giving us um, direction to proclaim these things, to publish these things, and to speak these things against Babylon. And, and, And that's why he says, go up against the land of Merathium and against the inhabitants of Pecod. It's a continuation of the same theme that when we share this information from the Bible, and it's not our desire to um, uh, to rub people's faces in the fact that it's Judgment Day, it's not our desire that the unsaved of the world hear these things and, and, um, and we relish that in any kind of way. No, God has, first of all, instructed us to feed his sheep. We we are to feed the sheep. The sheep are all that became saved, a great multitude that no man can number, the Bible tells us. And the sheep are of every tongue and nation and language and people group that are in the world. They're all over the earth, and there is absolutely no way of determining who is a sheep and who is a goat, or who is saved or unsaved. We, we have no ability to do that. It is an impossibility for someone to say, well, I'm only going to share with God's elect. I only want to tell the elect the truth of the Bible in the day of judgment um, um, because I want to feed sheep. Well, that's good. And, and who do you know is God's elect besides yourself? And, and maybe you have that assurance and maybe you think you know a few others are, and and now what are you going to do when in your city, in your state, in your country, and who else do you know for sure is one of God's elect that you will reserve feeding to only those you know that are God's elect? And of course, the obvious answer is you don't know anybody else is God's elect. And some you determine that are not God's elect, if you were to dare to make that kind of determination, 
may very well be his elect. And so there is no way we can limit the the feeding or the the sharing of the Bible to exclusively God's elect. We we don't have that kind of ability to determine who is and who isn't. And we're not to make that sort of judgment anyway. We we can't um, make judgments about people's salvation if they're saved or not saved. The only solution, as God, the Lord Jesus Christ says, feed my sheep, is to to take the the truth of the Bible and to share it with all. It's the only solution. We're commanded to feed sheep. The sheep are scattered amongst the nations of the world and, and we must therefore widely share truth with everyone. And we, we do not pick and choose the truth. We do not determine, well, this truth is for the sheep. The, the, these basic things. We'll share these basic things, but the deeper things we're not going to share. No. No, we, you, we never do that. We share what we know. That's what God has given to us. That understanding that He has revealed to us. And are we to, uh, just keep it to ourselves and, and we'll feast on the meat and we'll just share, um, some milk with others? No, we're to share the Word of God to the degree that we know things are true and 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 so in doing so we must publish we must conceal not these things to babylon to the world and and at the same time we're feeding sheep god will use that same proclamation that same information to accomplish his purpose in judging the unsaved of the world, in um, bringing these things against Babylon, that's not our desire. We we don't want to uh, injure anyone, uh, but God will do with His word what He intends to do with it, and we take no delight in the death of the wicked. As watchmen, we delighted not that. Judgment Day was coming, which meant that the unsaved would be slain in that day. No, we it was out of love we warn people. And it's out of love we share truth from the Bible in, in obedience to the command of God. Remember Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he's commanding us without any question, to feed his sheep, which means we must share May 21, 2011, Judgment Day, the end of salvation. We must share the truth, everything that God has opened up to us. And and what will result is the information will show that Babylon has been wasted and utterly destroyed. As it says here in verse 21, waste and utterly destroy after them. The word waste is also found in Isaiah 34 
And Isaiah 34 is a chapter whose focus is on the end of the world. And it says in verse 8 of Isaiah 34, For it is the day of Jehovah's vengeance and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. And the streams thereof shall be turned into pitch, and the dust thereof into brimstone, and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. It shall not be quenched night nor day. The smoke thereof shall go up forever, from generation to generation. It shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. And there that word waste is the same word in our verse in Jeremiah. And and we can see it is speaking of an eternal judgment. It, it is a judgment on this world. Isaiah 34 is describing judgment day on the world. And, and God will make the world lie waste. Just as Babylon is to be wasted. As it says there again, God commands waste and utterly destroy after them, saith Jehovah. Now, utterly destroy, we'll, we'll get a very good idea of what God means. When we go to Joshua, we'll look at a few verses here in Joshua 8. And in verse 26, it says, For Joshua drew not his hand back, wherewith he stretched out the spear, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Remember that little city that Israel was beaten back by at the first because of Achan's sin. And and now, though, they had won the victory and utterly destroyed all the inhabitants. In Joshua chapter 10, it says in verse 35, And they took it, on that day, and uh, this is uh, referring to another city, and smote it with the edge of the sword, and all the souls that were therein he utterly destroyed that day according to all that he had done to Lachish. And then in verse 39 and 40 of Joshua 10, And he took it, and the king thereof, and all the cities thereof, and they smote them with the edge of the sword, and utterly destroyed all the souls that were therein. He left none remaining. As he had done to Hebron, so he did to Deber, and to the king thereof, as he had done also to Libna, and to her king. So Joshua smote all the country of the hills, and of the south, and of the vale, and of the springs, and all their kings. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed. As Jehovah God of Israel commanded, utterly destroyed means just that. Complete, total destruction. None are spared. None are remaining. Uh, Remember when God commanded Saul in the days of Samuel to utterly destroy the Amalekites and, and all that they possessed. And Saul spared the best of the sheep and their king. And then um, Samuel came and he heard um, the bleeding of the sheep and and he saw the, the king of the Amalekites that was spared. And Saul said to Samuel that he had obeyed the voice of the Lord. 
Well, uh, actually, let's read it in First Samuel chapter 15. In verse 13, it says, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of Jehovah, I have performed the commandment of Jehovah. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto Jehovah thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what Jehovah has said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And Jehovah anointed thee king over Israel. And Jehovah sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of Jehovah, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of Jehovah? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of Jehovah, and have gone the way which Jehovah sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto Jehovah thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath Jehovah as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of Jehovah? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of Jehovah, he has also rejected thee from being king. Now, uh, this is very important for every child of God, or for everyone who professes to be a believer, to understand God commands. What God commands, we're not to argue with. We're, we're not to, uh, reason with Him. And, and we're not to diminish from what He commands. We're, we're not to do 99% of what He commands. I mean, if you think of what Saul and Israel did do towards obeying the command to utterly destroy the Amalekites, well, they they certainly went uh, a long way in accomplishing that. They killed men, women, and children, but they spared one king and sheep. Certainly, it could be said they fulfilled the word of God. They obeyed the voice of the Lord. No, not according to God, not according to what he declares here in 1 Samuel 15. There was a failure to obey, perfectly obey, completely obey. And if you do not completely obey, you disobey. And and God is commanding us. There's no sense um, that we try and and get around it. it. It is a command to us, his children, his people. In the day of judgment, 
which doesn't matter. It's still a command to us to be obeyed. Feed my sheep is one side of that command. The other side is to publish. And and let me read it again. Jeremiah 50, verse 2. Declare ye among the nations. Not not just in your home, but declare ye among the nations and publish and set up a standard. Publish and conceal not. Say Babylon is taken. And that means judgment day has come at the end of the great tribulation period on this world. And we are to tell the world about it. Publish to the nations. Declare to the nations. And this is what God is is saying in um, Jeremiah 50, verse 21. Waste and utterly destroy after them, saith Jehovah, and do according to all that I have commanded thee. Notice that word, all. Don't Don't just try to pick out the elect and publish to them. Don't just try to pick and choose what you will share concerning this information that God has kindly revealed to us, that has comforted us and strengthened us in this time where now we are not confused any longer as we were. We're not so troubled in mind. And are we to hoard this information to ourselves? Are we to keep it? Uh, under our rock like the man who had the talent and and he buried it? Are we to do that with this information? No. We're not to pick and choose. We're to take the whole sum of what God has opened up to us in this time of his revealing the righteous judgment of God And we are to share it far and wide to the nations. And and we're not to hold back in any way. Now, just another thing concerning this utterly destroyed in Isaiah 34, in the first couple of verses, Isaiah 34, again, the same chapter we looked at earlier, it says in verse 1, Come near, ye nations, to hear, and hearken, ye people. Let the earth Hear, and all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth of it. And uh, once again, of course, when God is saying, let the earth hear, he's giving us our instructions. He's telling us what we are to do. And Isaiah 34 is a chapter, again, Relating to Judgment Day. And then in verse 2, For the indignation of Jehovah is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them. He has delivered them to the slaughter. Now notice, that's past tense. He hath utterly destroyed them. And and this is what God is saying. Uh, Come near ye nations to hear. Hearken ye people. Let the earth hear this past act of God's judgment on the world. He hath utterly destroyed them. Not that he will utterly destroy them, but it is a past 
action. It is accomplished already. And that's exactly what the child of God is to share today. May 21, 2011, Judgment Day began. God hath utterly destroyed the unsaved people of the earth. And he did that when he shut the door of heaven. He sealed their eternal fate and their destruction is guaranteed. And uh, one other uh, verse or a couple of verses related to this word, utterly destroy, in Deuteronomy 7 and the first two verses, it says there, When Jehovah thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, and has cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, and the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when Jehovah thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them, and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. And this is describing the conquest of the land of Canaan, which we were reading about earlier with those verses in Joshua. And God here is defining what utterly destroy means. You will make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. In other words... When we are sharing today, when when the true believers are sharing the Bible's uh, information, the, the, the truth of the Word of God, that God stops saving people on May 21, 2011. He ended His salvation program. And since that day, there is no more salvation. There is no more mercy. There is... No more entering into a covenant with God that, that you might find peace, but there is only the wrath of God for anyone that is now unsaved. By sharing these things, we are utterly destroying the wicked of the world. And, of course, uh, what followed after the utter destruction of the inhabitants of the land of Canaan was that the Israelites possessed the land. They they entered into the promised land, the, the land that God had given them. And, and so, in a way, spiritually, we're following that pattern where God is now utterly destroying the inhabitants of the earth through the teaching that there is no more salvation. Uh, utter destruction means no mercy, according to Deuteronomy 7.2. And so when God has ended his salvation program, he is uh, now therefore showing no mercy to the inhabitants of the earth, which utterly destroys them. And once their utter destruction has been completed, then God will give their land to his people, of course, that's the figure, not this earth. This earth will be destroyed, but a new earth will be given to the people of God, and we will we will possess the land. And and so uh, it's really following 
that sort of figure that God established with the um, conquest of the land of Canaan. All right, let's go back to Jeremiah 50 and verse 22 says, The sound of battle is in the land and of great destruction. And the Hebrew word translated as land in verse 22 uh, is 776, and it can also properly be translated as earth, and and it should be. That's what it means. The sound of battle is in the earth and of great destruction. The Hebrew word translated as sound here is the same word translated as voice in verse 28 of Jeremiah 50. And it's Strong's number 6963. And it says in Jeremiah 50 verse 28, The voice of them that flee and escape out of the land of Babylon to declare in Zion the vengeance of Jehovah, our God, the vengeance of his temple. The voice of them that flee and escape out of the land of Babylon. And that is, again, the elect the true believers, the ones that God has saved, the ones whose eyes the Lord has opened up to see these things. Well, what happens when when God opens up a person's eyes and they begin to see and understand things of the Bible? They then naturally share it. It's a, a reaction that God has built within them. It's the Lord who moves within them to share these things. And and so when they share it, their voice will declare in Zion the vengeance of Jehovah our God, the vengeance of his temple. And again, why the vengeance of his temple? Because Babylon was used of God. Satan and his emissaries were used of God to destroy the New Testament church. God used Satan for 23 years throughout the Great Tribulation period, which was also the period of the judgment on the church. And then he completed the judgment after an exact 23 years, and the Great Tribulation ended on the same day Judgment Day began, May 21, 2011. And, and then God turned around and saw what Satan had done to his temple. Yes, it was all by the will of God. God permitted it. God um, brought it to pass. God's the one that loosed Satan to do it. But nonetheless, Satan and his forces dared to stretch forth their hand against God's anointed. The church was God's uh, outward representation to the people of the world. And none should dare stretch forth their hand against it because they carried the name of Christ. They had the Bible in their possession. They were God's representatives on earth, but they did. Therefore, God takes vengeance on them. And and that's what Judgment Day is, the vengeance of God on Babylon, Satan and his kingdom for what they did to his temple. And and so God does like things to them. And and the voice of the true believers declare in Zion these things. We're declaring the vengeance of God. These are the days of vengeance, the judgment of God upon 
the unsaved of the world. Now, we also read in Jeremiah 50, in verses 45 and 46, it says, Therefore hear ye the counsel of Jehovah, that he has taken against Babylon, and his purposes, that he has purposed against the land of the Chaldeans. Surely the least of the flock shall draw them out. Surely he shall make their habitation desolate with them. At the noise, and that's the same word, the Hebrew word uh, translated as sound in our verse and voice in verse 28. At the noise of the taking of Babylon, or at the sound of it, the earth is moved and the cry is heard among the nations. The uh, word moved is really a word that identifies with earthquake. At the sound or the voice of the taking of Babylon, the earth quakes. And, and that's because, um, an earthquake, um, is, is related to judgment day in, in many scriptures. And this verse reminds us of what we read in Joel, in, uh, Joel chapter three. It says, in verse 16, and, and um, keep in mind verse 15 of Joel 3 pinpoints the time as immediately after the tribulation because it speaks of the sun and the moon being darkened just as Matthew 24, 29 uh, tells us that that happens immediately after the tribulation. And, and then it says in verse 16, Jehovah also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth shall shake, but Jehovah will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Now, uh, Jeremiah 50 told us in verse 28 that uh, the voice of them that flee to declare in Zion the vengeance of Jehovah. Well, here it's the Lord's voice. It's Jehovah's voice. He's uttering his voice from Jerusalem, from Zion the body of believers. And God is doing the same thing he's always done uh, as far as the sending forth of his word. Remember um, in Romans and in the book of Isaiah, we, we read in one place, how beautiful are the feet of him that, that sendeth forth glad tidings of good news or something similar to that. And in the other place, it says, how beautiful are the feet of them. And and God can do that because he moves in his people to accomplish his purposes and his will. And his will was to send forth the gospel into the world. And, and so it could be said he was doing it, how beautiful are the feet of him. But... In actuality, the true believers were literally the ones that were walking, carrying the message in nation after nation. So how beautiful are the feet of them? Both are true statements. And likewise, in Jeremiah fifty twenty eight, it it's being declared from Zion. The voice is coming forth from the believers. And yet it is God uttering his voice from Zion through using his people uh, in in the day of judgment. And notice also he's uttering his voice here, and the heavens and the earth shall shake, just as we read in um, verse 46 of Jeremiah 50. It, it's speaking of a spiritual earthquake, not 
not a literal earthquake as uh, we had previously thought before May 21 came, but a spiritual earthquake. Well, let's go back to Jeremiah 50, verse 22. A sound of battle is in the land and of great destruction. And the battle, of course, is the, the battle of Judgment Day. Uh, it It's also translated as war um, in some places. It, it, we won't go there, but back in Joel chapter 3, verse 9, God, in leading up to the scripture we read, he spoke of war. And it, it was the battle of Judgment Day um, in the Valley of Decision, all that language identifies with the spiritual forces of Satan coming against God and his kingdom in the day of judgment. It's not much of a battle because God overwhelmingly triumphs and is victorious. And and early on, immediately, the forces of the Lord Jesus Christ win the battle and it's just a matter of um, the complete destruction being worked out over the course of Judgment Day, which is a prolonged period of time. But the the battle is taking place, and so the voice of battle is in the land. It is God's kingdom against Babylon, Babylon which is being utterly destroyed. And, and so it, it's a sound of great destruction. Now, in Lamentations 2, uh, we, we read in verses 11 and 12, this word destruction. It says in Lamentations 2, 11, Mine eyes do fail with tears. My bowels are troubled. My liver is poured upon the earth for the destruction of the daughter of my people, because the children and the suckling swoon in the streets of the city. They say to their mothers, Where is corn and wine? When they swoon, as the wounded in the streets of the city, when their soul was poured out into their mother's bosom. And and it continues. It's describing the spiritual um, famine, the, the removal of God's spirit from the churches when he judged the churches. It brought destruction on all the congregations of the world. Spiritually, this was the condition... Uh, even though outwardly, physically, people had no idea and, and they could have been well-fed and wearing good clothing and that's not the point God is making spiritually. This is the true condition of all churches. It It is uh, just just a horrible place for anyone, especially children. They're malnourished. There's no food. There's no water. There's nothing for them, and this is the destruction that's in view. And it's the same destruction now that's upon the world. At this time, it's the sound of battle, the voice of battle is in the earth, and of great destruction. It's a horrible thing that God has ended his salvation program. Um, It's a horrible thing for all that are unsaved. Well, then it goes on to say in verse 23 of Jeremiah 50, How is the hammer of the whole earth cut asunder and broken? How has Babylon become a desolation among the nations? 
This is uh, an interesting statement to begin verse 23. How is the hammer of the whole earth cut asunder and broken? And we wonder, well, what's being referred to by this hammer? The Hebrew word, 6360 in Strong's Concordance, translated as hammer, is only found three times in the Old Testament, once here and once in Jeremiah 23:29, where it relates to the Word of God. In Jeremiah 23, verse 29, it says, Is not my word like as a fire, saith Jehovah? And like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. And let's look at the other place. In Isaiah 41 verse 7. Isaiah 41 verse 7. That's the only other place that this particular word translated as hammer is found. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. And he that smootheth with the hammer him that smote the anvil, saying, It is ready for the soldering. And he fastened it with nails, that it should not be moved. And that's describing the making of an idol. And uh, the hammer is utilized to help with the developing and making of an idol. Now, we can understand that as far as the Word of God goes, because there are many people that go to the Bible and, and they don't follow God's methodology. They're, they're not careful. They don't compare scripture with scripture. They read a verse and, and, uh, well, there it is. It says it plain, literal statement or, or whatever it says. They go with it without making sure it harmonizes with everything else. And, and therefore they're using the word of God, a hammer, to develop their God, their uh, false gospel, their uh, false doctrine, because they're they're using the Bible. I guess we can understand the hammer in those two verses, but it, it's very difficult to understand how God is bringing that idea into this verse in Jeremiah fifty twenty three. How is the hammer of the whole earth? Cut asunder, um, the word translated as cut asunder is a word that means cut down or cut off that we've seen in other places. And, and so the hammer of the whole earth is cut down and broken. Now, it, it relates to Babylon. There's no question because it says, how has Babylon become a desolation among the nations? Now, I'm not sure exactly why God is using this word hammer here, but we we maybe can understand it this way, that um, that Satan overcame the churches and congregations, and the churches were the caretakers for hundreds and hundreds of years of the oracles of God, the word of God. The word of God was found in the church, and then Babylon took over the church. Satan and his kingdom overcame all churches. And and so, um, in a sense, they had the hammer in the same way that the individual developing an idol has a hammer and, and can develop his false god. So there was an image made from the church itself, according to Revelation 13, 
an image made to the beast, to Satan. Uh, And that image had the power to speak and so forth. And it really is none other but the corporate church itself that was remade into the image of the beast, into Satan's image. And, And Satan is a liar and the father of it. So the church became full of deceit and falsehood and lies and and so forth. So it, it could be in that sense that Babylon, um, as it overcame the church, the church became a part of Babylon under the rule of the king of Babylon, Satan, and and therefore they developed this image to the beast, to Satan, and now that hammer of the whole earth is cut down. Now we do find this word cut found uh, or used in Isaiah chapter 14 in that very kind of a context. Uh, as it says in Isaiah 14 verse 12 describing Satan's ascension to rule over the congregations of the world. It says in verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground? Now that's the same word translated cut asunder in our verse in Jeremiah. How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness? and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners. So we see here that Satan ascended to lofty heights, and yet God brought him down. He cut him down. And and so uh, notice the worldwide uh, reaction. Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms? And that also seems to fit in with the language in our verse. How is the hammer of the whole earth cut down or cut asunder and broken? How has Babylon become a desolation among the nations? So even though it's a little difficult fitting the word hammer into what's being described here, the Really, it's not a question about the overall meaning of the verse, but just that particular word. It's clearly describing Satan's downfall and his kingdom, Babylon's downfall, in the day of judgment that um, we're presently in. So, the, the hammer of the whole earth, how is the hammer of the whole earth cut asunder and broken? How has Babylon become a desolation among the nations. And uh, the word desolation is related to the word desolate. And we we saw this uh, very helpful verse a while back. Uh, It's found in Jeremiah chapter 6. 
and it defines what a desolation is. What when God speaks of the abomination of desolation, and he uh, he describes the desolation that came upon the churches, the spiritual wilderness they became, the wasteland they became. It all um, relates to what is said in this verse in Jeremiah chapter 6. And, and now the same thing that came on the church when God judged them has come on the world as it is the same cup of the wrath of God. In Jeremiah 6 verse 8, It says, Be thou instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from thee, lest I make thee desolate a land not inhabited. That is not inhabited by God. If God's soul, his spirit, departs, then there is desolation. It's the case with the church. The Holy Spirit came out uh, of the midst. Christ abandoned the churches immediately, immediately in all churches of the world. It was a desolation because the Spirit of God had left. And likewise, when uh, the judgment on the churches transition on that day of May 21, 2011, to the judgment on the world, well, God's Spirit left the world in the sense he ended his evangelization program, his salvation program completed, and he was no longer saving, this brought the world into a desolate condition. It made Babylon a desolation, as it says here in Jeremiah 50, verse 23. Well, let's just read verse 24. We're not going to have time to get into it, but... Um, Lord willing, in our next study, we'll, we'll spend some time in verse 24 because it's a very important verse uh, that uh, helps explain much of what God has been doing. In verse 24 of Jeremiah 50, it says, I have laid a snare for thee, and thou art also taken, O Babylon, and thou was not aware. Thou art found and also caught because thou hast striven against Jehovah. Babylon was snared. Now this uh, is the same thing God says of the world in Luke 21, uh, in verse um, 36, I think, where he says, As a snare shall come upon all the inhabitants of the earth. And so the world was snared in judgment day. They were caught. And notice that it says, Babylon, uh, and thou, uh, you're taken in this snare, O Babylon, and thou was not aware. And Babylon continues to be ignorant of the judgment that has come upon it, or that the people of the world are, are in ignorance concerning this judgment that has come upon them. Now, I wonder, does that have anything to do with, of that day and hour, knoweth no man? Is it possible? That as God is um, giving us that information, that no man knows, no man knows, and and here we find Judgment Day is here, and what is the reaction of man? They don't know. They don't know. It it it's an interesting thing for us to think about. Um, we'll look at some other verses that that indicate 
that God's judgment will be unknown to the wicked. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.